Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I am your host. Um, I'm going to apologize off the bat. I've been sick the last couple of days, so if this is not as good a show as usual, I apologize. Um, just under the weather. Which, you know, not fun, but can't do anything about it other than, you know, heal. So you know, Hopefully you'll all bear with me, and I'm going to try not to have this go too long, because I wish to go back to bed. <laughs> it's late, I'm tired, my sleep's been rocky, Ugh. you don't care, sorry, I don't mean to belabor my personal woes here. If you could please interact with the product a little bit, like, comment, subscribe, star rating, written review, whatever is applicable to your podcast platform of choice, sharing the show around social media or anyone you know in person that you think would enjoy it, please do bring that up. Always appreciate everything you all are able to do. Um, I am blessed to have an audience, no matter the size, and I, I thank you. Thank you all for that. Uh, to all of my American listeners, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, was kind of a success here. You call it 95% success, which is, you know, pretty darn good for a family holiday and some of how my family and extended family goes. So um, I'm happy. I hope you had a good one. And now we get to look ahead to Christmas season and then the end of 2023, which, you know, I've said it for a little bit now. Man, this year has kind of sucked. Not entirely, it hasn't been all doom and gloom, but uh, even in just like, let's talk about the MMA side of it for a minute here. The UFC product this year has been really, it's been kind of limp. Has it not? A little bit limp? Uh, I, I think the general quality has probably decreased. Certainly the hype, event to event, has gone down. There have been some tremendous fights. There have been some tremendous performances, some great moments. I'm not I'm not saying everything's bad. But it's been kind of a down year. I think the trend would probably trend down. Um, and that's to say nothing of you know, some of the other stuff I do, which complicates matters, but... Can I just tell you all the other bit of this? I am not looking forward to 2024. I know, I know, i got a whole other month and other shows to talk about, but uh, 2024 is, that's going to be a rough year. I've got, I've got a feeling that's going to be a little, good boy, we'll keep that in mind. But we will be here, and we'll be uh, doing this until they tell me not to anymore, so we'll still be here. Alright, um, should be a quick show, there's... UFC event to preview. I have some brief thoughts on... Uh, we got the first event after the PFL and Bellator buyout, so there's some stuff about their organizational structure and whatnot that I want to talk about. And the news has been pretty quiet. Holiday weekends will... Holiday weeks will do that. And I don't... Also because I don't care about... There was some drama, but it's purely like online BS drama, so I don't talk about that here. Whenever I can help it. So that's what's on the show tonight. Thank you all very, very much. Let's get into this and let's uh, see how this goes, shall we? 
So, UFC on ESPN 52 coming your way this Saturday from the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. They brought... I've This has been a, a trend for a while with the UFC. If they are only running Apex events, they tend to bring... Those are the lowest tier cards. You get one good-ish fight on there. Um, hopefully, on paper... But because they're not, they're selling tickets, but I know this is a sales line, so I apologize if it's, it comes across as like overly corporatized or whatnot. But really, if you're buying the ex, the expensive Apex tickets, um, you're not there to see the best fighters. You're there, you're paying for the experience. You're paying for the experience of being in a very safe, it's one of the, this is one of the things I'm going to say about the Apex. Because I've come to very much dislike it as a fight venue. But a lot of people who have been there, who have attended fights, one of the positives they've come away with is it's a very safe uh, atmosphere. Which tracks, there's probably... What do you think security is? Because that's not a big venue for spectators. You're probably dealing with, what, one... You could probably have, like, one security guy for every two or three um, spectators, which is super secure. Like, th there's very little chance of wackiness. Um, so it deserves to be acknowledged that if you're looking for a safe experience, um, yeah, you're going there for the proximity, for the, and the experience of being that close in a very contained venue. And if you want to see the best fights, they always take them to big markets where you have to pay and be with a lot of being there with a the crowd, and they charge you through the nose for it. So, but their fight nights where they have to sell tickets, they tend to bring better cards. This is uh, one of those cards. Uh, this is a pretty solid uh, ESPN card. Main event, great lightweight fight here: Benil Daryush and Armin Saryukian. Um, Saryukian has been a guy that I think a lot of us have had our eye on for a while. His only UFC losses are to Islam Makashev in his UFC debut, and if you haven't seen that fight recently, go rewatch it. That is a heck of a fight. Then he drops a decision to Mateusz Gamrot, which I agreed with. Thought he lost that. He's just... There is a level that when he stepped up to, he struggled. Makashev, champion, you know, okay. Gamrot, top five-ish, somewhere in that range. Okay. I think part of the problem is, if you look at his other wins, you do get a pretty steep demarcation line between the guys he can beat and the guys he's not beating. Okay, so his UFC wins are in order. Olivier Aubameau-Mercier, who just won a million dollars in the PFL and I believe retired. Um, Davi Hamos, Matt Frivola, Christos Yagos, Joel Alvarez. He beat the crap out of Joel Alvarez. Uh, lost to Gamrot. Demiris Magulov, and then uh, Joachim Silva. Now, of the names on that list, I don't know what the best one is. Some of those guys have had resurgences. Joel Alvarez is certainly no one to trifle with. 
Favola just had some of his hype derailed by Benoit Saint-Denis, but Favola did okay. I was pretty high on Demiris Magulov for a while. That clearly didn't pan out. But you see the distinction there, right? Not saying the guys he's beaten are bad fighters. That's really not the case. Like, who's the softest touch he got? Maybe Yagos? And if that's your so like if that's the softest fight you've ever had, you have not had a you've been you've been in the trenches a little bit. But anytime he steps up to the really top tier guys, he's struggled a bit. This is his chance to alter that sort of narrative because Daryush definitely a top tier lightweight. Um, Daryush just had a very long winning streak snapped when he lost to Charles Oliveira. Uh, that was that would have been his that would have earned him a shot at the belt because Oliveira got a shot at the belt and you could have argued that Dayu should have had that shot. Um, the UFC went with Volkanovski instead and then you know they went with Oliveira in the rematch and then Oliveira fell out and then Volk stepped in and you know, we all know how that works. But Dariush, that win streak he was on, Tiago Moises, Drew Dober, Frank Camacho, Dracar Close, Scott Holtzman, Diego Ferreira, Tony Ferguson, and Mateusz Gamrot, like, that's legit. We know that Dariush might struggle with, say, the top, like, three guys. Um, again, this would be, you know, the uh, Islam Akashev, Charles Oliveira's, don't know who you might, he and Justin Gaethje would have a bonkers fight. Um, but we know that he, Darius, generally exists in the space where Saryukian has struggled. And, and this is his chance to kind of swap that around. Darius been five rounds recently. That's an important part here. Because his fight with Oliveira ended in the first round. I don't even think that was the main event. Uh, no, that was headlined by the... Nunes and Aldana rematch that was a waste of everyone's time. And is this his first main event? I think it is. He's been with the UFC for a while. Yeah. Yeah, this is um this is his first this is his first main event. I don't which just means we don't know how he holds up over five rounds. We do know how Saryukian holds up over five rounds. He slowed a bit against Gamrod and those two maniacs just wrestled like crazy for five rounds pretty much. Which is almost that's not sustainable. As much wrestling as he was doing, he was going to slow down. Wrestling is profoundly physically intensive, and you can't you can't do it for 25 minutes. You can't. Like I don't. There's maybe a handful of guys on the planet who could actively wrestle for 25 minutes, even like five five minute rounds. We give give them the minute break. Uh, even the best wrestlers in the world, like wrestling, is structured the way it is for a reason. Um. The age is a factor here. Saryukian, still very young, only 27. Uh, Daryush, 34 by contrast. That could work to Daryush's favor. 
Um, he's not quite hit the 35-year-old mark when, you know, statistically speaking, it's over for you at lightweight and below trying to get a belt. Um, so Yukin is still very good. So Yukin probably has a better upside at this point. But there's just a lot of, like, little refinements in seasoning that has to go into Saryukian's game that you only get with time and experience. The question is, does, has he reached a high enough level to get by someone like Benil Daryush? And I don't know. <laughs> um, Saryukian has been hittable at times, and Daryush can crack. A lot of Daryush's work on the feet, though, uh, kind of will allow Saryukian to start wrestling with him. And Daryush can grapple. He's a very, he's very good in that respect. Um, but I don't know how that, how, like, prolonged grappling exchanges are going to work in this fight. I think the longer this goes, the more it probably favors Saryukian. I think he's proven to have a uh, better gas tank over the distance than Daryush. I think I'm still going to lean towards Daryush here. I just, I'm not completely sold on Saryuki and being ready for this level. He might be. That's it's very, very possible that, I, that he's going to come out and this is going to be his stamp, his I'm ready, put me in there, you know, for the belt or near to the belt. Um, I'd say out of curiosity, um, the odds are with Saryuki and fairly heavily, actually, that five round, exp that five round thing is a big deal. Um, it is definitely a pretty big deal here. I, I still think I'm going to lean towards Daryush. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on that. I, here's the other thing, like, and some of these odds are almost three to one in favor of Saryukian. If you can get, like, plus 200 on Daryush, that's not a terrible um, value bet. Watch him go out there and get blown out of the water and make me look like a fool, but I'm okay leaning towards Daryush here a little bit. Um, Co-main event. This was supposed to be Bobby Green and Dan Hooker. Unfortunately, Dan Hooker re-injured the broken arm. Uh, the, he had it surgically repaired. This was after his fight with... Um, was Jalen Turner actually? Um, so that that was going to be five rounds. I was very much looking forward to that fight. Fortunately, again, you suffer that kind of an injury. I understand. In steps on short notice, Jalen Turner, and we will get a three-round fight between Turner and Bobby Green. I might have favored Hooker over Green. Like I probably would have. Um, the best version of Jalen Turner should beat Bobby Green. I don't know that we're going to get the best version of Jalen Turner under these circumstances. Bobby Green here. Very wrong about his that main event he had. Because yeah, he put, temporarily at least, put the brakes on... Uh... uh told you, I'm not feeling well. My, so my recall's like Dawson. Yeah, Grant Dawson. Full camp, I would have gone Turner. Short notice, I think I'm going to lean towards Green. The height and reach is going to be a problem for him, but 
Um, this is a, this is actually a pretty darn good fight. Uh, I am gonna lean green. Um, just picking underdogs. I suck. <laughs> uh, for the record, if occasionally when I say something like, you know, that might not be a terrible little bet. Don't gamble according to my advice. That's more me looking at like, do I believe these odds accurately reflect the percentages? Um, I'm not. I'm certainly not giving out gambling advice here. I don't know enough about it. I just not not my thing. Uh, bantamweight Rob Font and Davison Figueredo. Ooh, good fight. Um, this is a good fight. Figueredo moving up to bantamweight after being a flyweight became untenable for him, um, which is understandable. But bantamweight, I think, is going to be a rough division for him. A lot of what Figueredo what led to Figueredo's success. He was a strong guy for the for flyweight, um, and ha carried a lot of power that most flyweights don't. He would tear guys up to the body. Um, just kind of a marauding force in there. Bantamweight, I don't... He cannot win consistently at Bantamweight using the same style and tactics that he did at Flyweight. The division is just too different. And Rob Font is... He's been in a rough spot lately. But his last three losses... He's, he's just won in three in his last four. But a couple of things to note. One, one of those losses, Jose Aldo... Marlon Vera, so Jose Aldo, all-time great. Vera, challenging for the belt next. Oh, I missed Wade for that fight, too. He pulls a bit of an upset and halts the hype on Adrian Yanez with a really nice performance there. Then he loses a decision to Corey Sandhagen. So, he's only won three of his last four, but when you're losing to Aldo, Vera, and Sandhagen, I, I can't get too... There's a re like you can only hold that against somebody so much. That is a killer set of three fights. I don't know anyone who would come out of all three of those without a loss somewhere in the, along the way. Um, Font's going to be a rough welcome for Figueredo. He's got a lightning jab. He can grapple. He's not a small bantamweight. Um, Figueredo's power, we have to see how it carries. He was—he brought power to flyweight, and not a lot of flyweights have the kind of power he did. And how does that carry up? Sometimes power doesn't carry up. Um, between some of what you do physically and guys being just sturdier and bigger, it's a little up and down there. Uh, so, I'm not discounting Figueredo, but I think bantamweight's going to be a hard road for him at this point in his career. He's not a young guy. He's... Yeah, 35. He looks older than 35, so that's why I think he, I thought he was a little bit older than that. But he's had a very good career. Um, his UFC run, that, I mean, his only losses in the UFC are Juicy Formiga and Brandon Moreno. He's beaten some very talented guys. And, you know, had the tetralogy with Moreno. That was pretty darn good. That was a good series of fights. Um, I'm going to lean towards Font, though. Font, veteran, slick, savvy. Not impossible for Figueredo to win, but I'm going with Font.
Welterweight, Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum. So, Sean Brady had a rough outing his last time. He got stopped by Bilal Muhammad. That was over a year ago. Now, I'm not saying that losing to Bilal Muhammad is some giant indictment on you. Bilal Muhammad's pretty good. Getting stopped by Bilal Muhammad, though, that's, that's a bigger red flag than you might think. Because if we look at Bilal Muhammad's entire UFC run, he loses his debut, gets a stoppage in his next fight, that was t 2016, loses to Vicente Luque, wins four in a row, all decisions, loses to Jeff Neal, hadn't lost sense. He gets a decision, he chokes out Takashi Sato, then decision, decision, the no contest with Edwards, decision, decision, TKO over Brady, and then decision against Gilbert Burns. If your striking is at a point and you're sort of those like general um, tactical awareness and cage presence is in such a place that Bilal Muhammad can walk you down and punch you out on the feet, that's a problem. That's something you definitely need to address. And not saying Bilal Muhammad's a scrub. I think he should have been fighting for the belt instead of Colby Covington. He has earned it. But he's not much of a finisher. And the evidence just bears that out. Unfortunately for Brady, his rebound, quote-unquote, from that is another stocky, hard-charging, good-wrestling, thudding power puncher in the form of Kelvin Gastelum, who is returning to... Uh, welterweight for the first time since... Well, he'd been a middleweight for a long time. Um, 2016. Yeah, he had one middleweight fight. Before. He just had a bunch of... You all recall this. He comes in, wins the tournament, wins a pointless tough season at uh, middleweight. Goes to welterweight, wins a bunch of fight, fights, misses weight a couple of times. Goes up, comes back down. Um, then misses weight, then he beats Johnny Hendricks. Hendricks missed weight there, not Gastelum. The weight cut just becomes, uh, too much for him at that point. So he goes up to middleweight and is, yeah, he's about 50-50 at middleweight. Beats Tim Kennedy, beats Vitor Belfort. Um, that was overturned, but he won that fight. Chris Weidman, he has a good first round against Weidman, but then kind of gets out-wrestled. He knocks out Michael Bisbing on short notice. Uh, split decision over Jacare. Pretty good fight. Loses to Adesanya. Loses to Darren Till. Loses to Jack Hermanson. Beats Ian Heinish. Loses to Robert Whitaker. Loses to Jared Cannonier. That Chris Curtis fight. He's coming off of that. It was a win. I still don't feel good about how that happened. Chris Curtis should have won that fight. Um, there was a there was a knockdown in the second round, which was kind of the swing round. And it was caused by a headbutt. If you recognize that that's what caused that, you gave that round to Curtis. If you didn't, you gave it to Gaslam, and it just sucked for Chris Curtis, man. But he's trying his hand back down at welterweight, first time again in seven years. This is a favorable matchup for him in a lot of respects. He's been out-wrestled before, so he's got to be aware of that. And again, Neil Magny largely out-wrestled him when he won uh, their, the split decision in their fight. 
that was all when Jacare had success against him, it was partially in the grappling. Chris Weidman out wrestled him. So he's got to be aware of that because Sean Brady's going to try. But Gaslam's kind of just, again, hard charging, forward pressure, thudding power. Um, this is a tough fight for Sean Brady in a spot where he kind of needs to rebound. Sean Brady's grappling is very, very good. But his overall MMA game has not quite caught up to it. His takedowns still leave a lot to be desired. And his striking, he got outstruck by Michael Chiesa. He won that fight, but he got outstruck. That's telling. Then you get outstruck and finished by Bilal Muhammad. Again, these these are not great indicators. Couple that with over a year off. I'm I'm going Gastelum here. Um, Not by a whole lot, and I'm not going to be shocked if he misses weight. But I'm okay picking Gastelum. Then middleweights, um, Punahele Soriano and Dustin Stoltzfus. Um, Soriano, rough spot. One and three in his last four. Losses to Brendan Allen, Nick Maximov, and Roman Kopilov. Two of those are understandable. Allen's quite good, and so is Kopilov. In between there, he has a win over Dolce Lungiambula. Um, Stoltzfus, he's been a bit up and down. Yeah, he's got one win in the UFC. Lost to Kyle Dawkins, Rodolfo Vieira, Gerald Merchard, and Abu... Dude, he got knocked out by Abu Smagomedov. Yeah, I'm going with Soriano here. And this is probably Stoltzfus' exit from the promotion, which is unfortunate. I don't wish that on anybody, but... You do have to win at some point to stick around. That's your main card. Very good 3TV main card here. I'm thinking thumbs up, man. Well put together card. Prelims, a lightweight Clay Guida and Joaquim Silva, or Joaquim Silva, he's Brazilian. Um, Silva's one of those guys who, you forget how long he's been in the UFC, he debuted for them in 2015. Fought once in 15, once in 16, once in 17, twice in 18, once in 19, missed all of 2020, a lot of Brazilians did. Once in 2021, once in 2022, and then he fought earlier this year. A lot of ability, but the inactivity has just kind of gutted his potential. Um, I've joked before that I'm at the point where I don't pick Clay Guida to win fights. It's not that he's incapable of doing so, I just don't pick him to win. That win over Scott Holtzman, well, not his last fight. His last fight was um, Rafa Garcia, and Garcia kind of beat him up. The Holtzman win, it was split. I didn't agree with that. Claudio Pugliese knee, uh, knee barred him. Curious what the odds are on this. Yeah, the odds are with Silva. I just, again, I'm not saying that it's impossible for Clay Guida to win this fight. Not at all. But I don't pick Clay Guida to win fights anymore. But feel free to discount my predictions regarded to him at this point. That's fine, man. But I don't pick him to win fights. Uh... Women's bantamweight Misha Tate and Julia Avila. I do not care. Um, Tate's one and four in her last five. She tried flyweight. That didn't go her way. She had that again. She was retired. She retired in 2016. Came back in 2021. Um. 
I don't know. Avila has not exactly set the world on fire. But I don't know that I pick Misha Tate to win fights at this point either. Tate's game is still just like mired in 2015-2014. Um, if she can't win this fight, she can't win in the UFC anymore. I, I think it's safe to say. Um, Avila. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be shocked if Tate wins this. This is... Some of Avila's issues have been, in the past, things that Tate does well, but, again, I just... Age, time off, track record, skill set. I can't really pick Misha Tate. Middleweights. Uh, Zach Reese and Cody Brundage. Um, Brundage coming off of a... He got that DQ win over Jacob Malkoon. Um Uh, don't know how I felt about that. Balcoon beat the crap out of him then. There was an elbow to the back of the head, which is illegal. Honestly, though, I mean... More DQs might force fighters to be a bit more deliberate with some of their stuff there, so I don't hate it. But that was his first win in the UFC, and he lost three in a row before that. His only UFC wins are Dolce Longiambula, Trishon Gore, and then the DQ over Malkoon. That's that's rough. Um, Reese. I believe this is his UFC debut. He is 6-0. He's fought in the UFC. It's only once. No. He's coming in off of a Contender Series win. Might be slightly... Matchmaking designed to help him out. I don't know that I can pick Brundage at this point. He, he, it's not that he's again he's not a bum, but I don't hang on. He's only six and zero. Oh. And let me let me lean a little bit towards Brundage there. Um, then again, like the UFC really does like to help out some of those guys coming off the contender series. We're still at a point where that's a thing they can do. Well, I, I'm still going to lean towards Brundage. Lightweight, uh, Drakkar Close and Joe Selecki. Pretty decent fight, actually. Um, Close, he's one of those guys, man. He's good. Um, You tend to forget about him, but he's good. His only losses are to David Tamer and Benil Dariush. Wins over... Lando Venata, Bobby Green, coming off one over uh, Rafa Garcia. It was July of last year, though. Why has he been out? Uh, ACL injury. Yeah, that'll do it. Don't know how bad it was, but an injury of some kind. So, yeah, that'll do it. Um, Selecki's been... Dude, he's got a good UFC record. Not fought anybody all that good, though. Well, I shouldn't say that. So he w beats Matt Wyman in his UFC debut, way overmatched. Beats Austin Hubbard, beats Jim Miller. Um, loses to Jared Gordon. Uh, beats Alex Da Silva, and then beats Carl Deaton the third.
tough one. This is an this is a bit of an acid test for close. Or, excuse me for Selecki. Close is no pushover. I still think I'm gonna lean towards Selecki, but you you sleep on Drakkar close at your peril. Uh, he's he's very good. All right, featherweight Steve Garcia and Melky Elzel Costa. Um, Garcia. Two in the, uh, three and two in the UFC. And that really nice win over Chase Hooper. Um, he beat him up pretty badly. Beat Shailon Nurdanbeke his last time out. Got knocked out by Mahashate. Even at featherweight. I think I fought Joe Warren back in 2017. Steve Garcia's been around. A lot of you remember Joe Warren, and it's okay if you don't. He, there's a lot of reasons he was forgettable, but for a period of time, he was a relevant fighter in Bellator. Um, Costa, Costa struggled. Um, he's 20 and six overall, but his UFC record's like it's one. one. Tiago Moises kind of beat him up and choked him out. Coming off a win over Austin Lingo. I'm okay going with Garcia here. Um, Costa might be able to show some stuff that we haven't seen before, but I'm okay. Boy, I'm just picking underdogs all card here. I want to change this one just based on the odds. You know what? Yeah, I'll feel very stupid for having done this, but let's actually go with Costa. Uh, light heavyweight, Adolfo Be uh, Bellato and Ijo Portieria. I don't really pick Ijo Portieria to win fights. Um, he is, what, one and two in the UFC. They tried to give Shogun a win over a guy that he should have beaten, and then Shogun was just too shot. Uh, losses to Nikolai Negomerianu and Carlos Ulberg. Um, Bellato making his UFC debut. Um, that winning streak. I don't have a lot of reason to pick Potieria here. I don't. Uh, let's see. Welterweight Wellington Terman and Jared Gooden. Um, Terman? One of those guys, man, you can see the potential, but boy, has he struggled to reliably put it together. He's got a losing UFC record. What, three and five? Jeez. Two fight losing streak to Andrew Petrosky and Randy Brown. Yeah, Terman's one of those guys. Again, you can see it. You can see the potential, but why has he not been able to put it together? Um, Gooden fought Carlston Harris on short notice. I want to say earlier this year, missed weight, lost the fight. This is return to the UFC. His previous UFC run, he went 1-3. Lost to Alan Joban, Abuba, Karnamak, and Madoff, and Randy Brown. Got a win during that period over Nicholas Stolze. I don't know, man. This might be... Do Let me put it this way. This might be do or die for Terman. Um, you can't win this one. You're going to have problems. I am going to lean towards Terman. Um... This is the kind of level of fighter he should beat, but if he can't win this, uh, he should probably... I, I don't know how much longer we'll see him in the UFC. And kicking everything off at women's flyweight, Veronica Hardy and Jamie Lynn Horth. 
So Hardy, the former Veronica Macedo, before she married Dan Hardy. Um, two and four in the UFC. The wins have come fairly recently. She beat Poliana Viana, then beat Juliana Miller. Um, but her losses are there as well. She debuted at um, at bantamweight, kind of just to get into the UFC. Lost to Ashley Evan Smith, dropped to flyweight, lost to Andrea Lee, lost to Jillian Robertson. Um, yeah, she fought Pam Malecki up at bantamweight, lost that as well. But at flyweight, she's two and zero in her last two in the division. Uh, that's not nothing. And then Horth. Six and oh, she's fought in the UFC before. Yeah, beat Haley Cowan in her UFC debut. That was earlier this year. Uh, I don't know. That's one of those that's really hard to predict. I might lean towards Hardy. But I don't know by how much. Yeah, I'm going to lean towards Hardy, but just very, very slightly there. Very slightly. And that's the card. So, Saturday, come by the MMAZona411mania.com. Stop by, say hello. I always appreciate it. Um, live or after the fact, uh, I appreciate all of you listening and everyone that bothers to read what I write. So, thank you. Appreciate you all. It didn't take too long. All right. Um, let's talk Bellator and PFL. So, we know a little bit more now. Um, PFL had their season finale recently minor aside pfl five title fights on one card is lunacy absolute madness please do not do that ever again stop that um the pfl broadcast is still a problem they were cutting away to, like, celebrity commentary between every round, and it was uh, stupid, and their visual broadcast is cluttered with useless information. If it sounds like I'm being a UFC homer, I'm not. I'm... I want there to be a competitive market. I think the fighters benefit, and I think the audience benefits. Not necessarily exclusively. Um... There can be detriments to again, competitive fight place marketplaces. Um, but in general, I think it's for the best. So I really hope that PFL and Bellator are able to sort some of their stuff out. Because there's a lot of stuff here that is just... I, I don't understand it. So a few things about PFL and again, what we know going forward. Um, Bellator, they're going to have Bellator-branded events. I think they said 80-year, give or take. Um, some of which will be international, and if you want to fight in Bellator, you fight under the Bellator rules. And here's the big rule change. Here's the big rule difference between PFL and Bellator. PFL doesn't allow elbows. This is stupidity personified. I'm just going to throw that out. Look, I get, um, if you're part of a tournament... Okay, because the last thing you want is your winner to have a cut that prevent that precludes them from competing on the tournament schedule. I understand that. You have a bunch of fights that are not part of your tournament, and you still don't allow elbows. This is stupid. That's all it is. This is stupid. Um, so there's that. Um, apparently, the they're setting up for a bunch of 
champion versus champion fights because again the PFL had a bunch of champions come out of this season and they get to fight the Bellator champions in the same weight classes assuming the PFL has the weight class in question because there's still several that they don't another bit of bizarre management you don't have what is it like middleweight they don't have there's something like genuinely look you don't want to have flyweight I understand I actually do but like they don't have middleweight which is just, I think there's some other one they don't have too, but like, freaking middleweight. Um, this is somewhat complicated because um, Olivier Aubame Mercier, so let me go through the results real fast here for PFL 10. Um, Olivier Aubame Mercier defeated Clay Collard via unanimous decision 49 46 across the board to win the decision, to win the million dollars and lightweight belt. Didn't agree with 49 46 personally, it was 48 47, but he was the deserving winner. Um, then, like, he retired. <laughs> so that'll be awkward. Heavyweight, um, Hedin Fajera defeated Dennis Gol- uh, Golstov. I don't think that matters. I f- okay. I don't know that I would favor any of these PFL guys over their Bellator counterparts. I do not favor... Fajera over... Who is the Bellator heavyweight champion? Is it Vadim Nemkov? I think he's the dual champion there. Oh, no. Bader. Did Bader win it back? Huh. Yeah, I guess so. Um, oh, right, right. Bader came down and was the two-way champion. Um, Nemkov has made noise about going up, but I'm not going to favor that guy to beat Ryan Bader. I wouldn't favor OAM to beat Usman Nurmagomedov. Actually, not a terrible fight, but Usman Nurmagomedov is real good. Um, oh, who else did we have here? Uh, women's featherweight, Larissa Pacheco. She won. Don't think I favor her to beat Cyborg. Um, Magomed Magomed Kerovov defeated Sadabu C. Um, him and Bellator's welterweight champion is now um, Jason Jackson. That's not a terrible fight. Because um, Jackson scored that big upset over um, Yaroslav Amosov. That's not terrible. Um, Magomed Karamov is... He's okay. He's pretty good. Uh, but like, I'm not going to favor Impakasong and I to beat Vadim Nemkov. I don't know that I'd favor most UFC light heavyweights to beat Vadim Nemkov. Um, he's that good. So... Um, yeah, and again, they were doing... Those are the ones who won last night. Obviously, they're... Because I don't think they have bantamweight, so I would I would favor Patchy Mix to beat anybody in PFL. Um, so PFL champions. So currently, you know, those are tournament champions. They don't have. Do we not have um 
actual champions yet. They used no, that was when it was W. It was when it was so more World Series of Fighting stuff. I don't care about that. So I think at the moment, yeah, we have heavyweight, light heavyweight, welterweight, lightweight, featherweight, and women's featherweight. So congratulations. Um, no middleweight, no bantamweight. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Part of the like the so they're gonna try and run Bellator for at least a couple of years as its own separate like branded entity. I don't know. I'm. I am rooting for their success. I really am. I want fighters to have more options. I want there to be a more competitive marketplace. I think that's better. I genuinely think that's better. Um, but man, are they not making it easy at the moment. That's... Again, there's, they're just not making it easy. I want to like them. I want to root for them. But some of what you're doing, man, it's just, it's not, shouldn't be making it this hard. The UFC's, I have a phrase this, like, the UFC's ne probably viewed negatively in a lot of respects by more people than it has in any other time in the last, like, 20 years. There's a lot of people who have started to see how the sausage is made. There's a lot of fighters who have talked about it. Dana White is mostly checked out. And the product's a little bit watered down and overexposed. This is actually is a very good time for someone to try and ta attack the marketplace. Um, please don't waste everyone's time with stupid rules and weird branding and part of the thing is like you can be in the bellator you can be in the pfl tournament but the tournament isn't for everyone so maybe you just do super fights a few times a year and that's when you'd be part of the bellator brand and th this is needlessly complicated um i don't know i don't know what they're doing over there but like i said i wish them success i want them to succeed i really do all right um, I think that's everything I have here, so let me check Twitter for anything crazy, and if not, we will get out of here. Alright, no, nothing new, so plugs. Um, Monday, probably about the time you're listening to this, um, there will be a Damn You Hollywood for Disney's latest bomb, Wish. I shouldn't say that, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I'll be watching it before I see it, of course, but on Damn You Hollywood, myself, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and Zachary Strobel will all get together. We will review, again, Wish, and boy, Disney has had a terrible year at the box office. And that, that's not, no, that's, sorry, that's not anything other than an objective statement of fact. They lost money on Little Mermaid. They lost money on um, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. They lost money on... It's a lot of money on Indiana Jones. They lost a boatload... They lost so much money on um, the Marvels, or are going to lose, I suppose, it's still in theaters. Um, <laughs> it's been a, been a very forgettable year for Disney at the box office. Um, and honestly... 
if I might opine briefly, that goes for quality as well as raw returns. Now, they have not had a lot of good. I think their only successful movie this year was Guardians 3. Everything else has kind of been just bleh. But we'll all get together and review that on Monday. My usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. Oh, minor note. I, because there's no UFC event Saturday and I'm willing to say yes to things, I covered um, WWE Survivor Series. So if you're interested in that, give it a read. It's in the WrestlingZone411Mania.com. Other than that, um, uh, MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, UFC event on Saturday, and back here to record Sunday. So that's on the horizon. Thank you all very, very much as always. I appreciate the heck out of you. Stay safe out there. The snow has started falling here where I live, and always a good time to remind everyone to be safe out there. And don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. It's hard. I know I'm guilty of it at times, but try not to be stupid. All right. Thank you again. Stay safe out there, and until next time, continue to be well, be safe, and behave.